Hey friends, I'm curious. Has Nothing Is Wasted as a ministry had an impact on your pain to purpose story? Whether it be from the encouragement you've received from this podcast or going through the pain to purpose course or the 42 day devotional or being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted community, we want to hear how Nothing Is Wasted and the resources we have to offer have directly impacted your life. We know so many of you have seen God work through the stories you've heard on this podcast or through your local church's pain to purpose course that you've been a part of. And and we want to hear how nothing is wasted has been a part of God's healing and redemptive plan in your life. Now, I know God isn't done yet. And I know from personal experience, he is often healing us and stepping into our pain in a thousand different ways. And oftentimes he uses everything from the podcast we listen to, to the courses we sign up for, to the people in our life and more. So we want to ask you a favor. Would you share those stories with us? We would love to start collecting your experience on how we have been able to partner with you as you have partnered with God to take back your story. So do us a massive favor. Again, share those with us. Share with us what God has done in your story through Nothing Is Wasted by doing this. Go to nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash stories. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be right here at YouTube if you're watching YouTube. There you're going to find instructions on how to submit your story and all the details for recording the ways that God has used Nothing Is Wasted to move you from pain into a newfound healing and purpose. You can also experience all the other story submissions right there at nothingiswasted.com slash stories. So watch those, be blessed by those, and then submit your story, please. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to impact your life. We can't wait to hear what you have to say. Again, go to nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Let us know how Nothing Is Wasted has impacted your healing journey. Nothingiswasted.com slash stories. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Davey. And I'm one of your other hosts, Aubrey. And we're so glad that you're with us again this week. We all, we all Every week, we feel like we have another incredible episode for you. <laughs> but we do. We actually, like, God has brought I mean, the most. It's not embellishing. It's not. God has brought the most amazing people to the Nothing Is Wasted community yeah. and space. And today is no different. We have Jeff and Sarah Walton. They have written a book together called Together Through the Storms, Biblical Encouragements for Your Marriage When Life Hurts. And part of their story right. is that... Um, and I actually really relate to this because I have an autoimmune disease. Sarah suffers from another autoimmune disease, Lyme disease. And she unknowingly passed it to their four children. And for one of their, for their son, uh, that resulted in just like major neurological, physical, mental health challenges. Yeah. Jeff had to walk away from a high paying job. I mean, lots of, they've yeah. been through lots of ups and downs as a couple. So I know, yeah. you know, you listeners are really going to be moved and encouraged by their story. This is one of those stories where it's kind of like you, there's, it, there's no end in sight. Yeah. Ugh. You know, sometimes you go, okay, if, all right, if I can just make it to this point, this, we can, if we get, can get through, through this, this hump, we'll be, be okay. Yeah. And this is one of those where, you know, so for, so for those of you guys who have been asking, I mean, there, we've had quite a few people who have reached out and just asked about 
chronic pain mm. or chronic disease, chronic, and and just you're you're living with that, you're dealing with mm. that, you're struggling through that. Going, what when like is this ever going? Is this always how Ooh, I'm going to feel? Yeah, this you're going to find a lot of comfort, solidarity in this, and encouragement. I believe in this in this conversation that we have with Jeff and Sarah. Their their faith just really. Yeah filled me with a lot of hope as I was having mm. that, having this conversation with them. If for whatever reason, while you're listening to this, you want to get connected with us a little bit more, we want to encourage you to do that. Go to nothingiswasted.com yeah. and there you can find all kinds of other resources, um, whether it's hiring one of our certified coaches or taking the pain to purpose course or checking out some of our curated pathways, joining the community, whatever it is, um, we want to walk with you in whatever trauma, tragedy, or major life transition that you're experiencing, our goal is to help you partner with God to take That's back right. your story, no matter what you're That's going right. through. So whether it's chronic pain or whether it's some other kind of pain point, I know you're going to get encouragement through this conversation, but we also want to help you go nothingiswasted.com. And uh, let's go ahead and take uh, a listen to my conversation with Jeff and Sarah Walton. Well, Jeff and Sarah, it's so great to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much Thank for having you. us. Thank you. We're very grateful. You know, before we got on, you guys were telling me that you probably live in the most, if not the most, one of the most beautiful places in our country. And I would love for our community to hear a little bit about who you are, what your family's like, where you live, what you guys do before we dive into your story, because it's a really incredible story, what God's done in your life. Uh, yeah, well, I'll just say we we grew up... Um, we both are Midwestern kids. We grew up, he's from Ohio. I'm from Chicago area. And we lived there. Once we got married, we lived there for the first 17-ish, 17 years of our marriage. So our kids mostly grew up there. And then um, kind of part of our story, which we'll probably get into, um, he had been out of work a couple years ago when COVID hit. And God kind of used that to to nudge us in a way he closed every opportunity nearby. And so we were somewhat forced to look outside of the Chicago area. My brothers had moved to Colorado. So that's why we're like, well, we could consider there. Um, and long story short, in about 30 day period, 45 maybe, um, he had a friend ask him to come out, possibly consider working for him. We drove out here. We bought a house that week and we were here 30 days later. <laughs> so it's been a little bit of a whirlwind and that was during COVID. So it was a little bit chaotic on top of it, um, but we've loved it here. It is a beautiful area of the country. We love getting out and hiking and taking the kids out, um, especially with some of the challenges we've faced. It's just been a gift to be able to get out more and to be able to do things productive um, in a, like a positive type of way. So we're thankful. God clearly brought us for here for a lot of reasons, way more than a job um, that we've seen increasingly over the last couple of years. So yeah, it's been a blessing. And anything else? Yeah, so we have um, four kids, as Sarah mentioned, two boys, two girls. So the oldest and youngest are boys, and then the girls are squished in between. So ranging from nine up to almost 16. So that keeps our life busy and full, um, but we, we've we really enjoyed, yeah, as Sarah mentioned, the move out here to Colorado Springs and get to enjoy the mountains and the 300 days of sun, which are very different from the the cloudy gray skies uh, in, the, in the Midwest, <laughs> as you know, Davey. 
Yeah. Oh man, don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. We're experiencing it so badly right now. We get a little peak of sunshine and I'm like, oh, vitamin D. It's amazing. I know. Oh man, I know. Well, uh, you know, you alluded to this, Sarah, that you guys have gone through quite a season of some serious challenges. And one of the one of the things that we want to make sure that we we not just mention, but that we talk about it really is uh, kind of encapsulates a lot of what you guys have gone through is this book that you guys have written together called Together Through the Storms. Um, and I love the title of that because I think storms can often rip us apart in so many different types of relationships, but especially in marriage. Um, but before we really dive into that and kind of what God has been teaching you through these seasons, why don't you give us a little bit of a just maybe a, a summary or dive dive into what 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 are some of these challenges that you guys have been facing over the past several years? Well, it really most of it started not long after we got married. Um, we got married kind of young. I was twenty, he was twenty three, and so a lot of people thought it was a terrible idea. We were too young to get married, but it was very clear um, God had been paving that pathway. So we got married, and I think it was about three years after our first was born. Um, Jeff at the time was working for a uh, medical trauma company. So he was a trauma consultant, which meant he would have to go into surgeries. And because it was trauma, it was drop of the hat. He'd get a call. He'd have to book it out of the house and get there um, because he was working with the doctors to implant those devices in the OR. So it was fine. It really was okay before we had kids. Once we had kids, that obviously took a bigger toll just because there was more to be doing at home. There was a lot more difficulty. And so having him in and out was just more challenging. Um, but I'd say the hardest stuff started. Our oldest was hospitalized when he was seven weeks old. Um, for We didn't know what it was. He had a really high fever. And for a period, we thought we might lose him. They had no idea what was going on. It was very scary. They knew he had some severe infection, but five days in the hospital with really scary looking numbers, um, they, they basically were like, we have no idea what's causing it. Nothing's coming up positive, but he's extremely ill. That was over, I think, our third anniversary, actually, we were in the hospital. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember that being a period of time of the first real testing, thinking, God, this is our first child. We're so excited about this. And all of a sudden, this child we just brought into the world, we may not leave with. It just, it rocked our world. It made us have to face that hard question of why? What, why, what is the purpose of this? Um, and whatever happened, we don't really know. We still don't know to this day, but after about five days and heavy antibiotics, things started to turn around and they sent us home with some unknown severe infection. So we kind of thought that was it. We were just praising the Lord for his miraculous healing, still having no idea what happened or why it changed. Um, but over that first year of his life, some other things started to pop up that just were a little bit I mean, I don't think we knew it at the time because we were first-time parents, so you just don't know what to compare it to. But he was sick a lot. Um, he started to just show certain behaviors that were repetitive, um, problem-causing behaviors, knocking things off shelves, throwing tantrums for hours. So we didn't, We again, we just kind of thought we had the most strong-willed kid on the planet because <laughs> we didn't know what else to compare it to. Um, but over those years, progressively that started to intensify to a, a nearly unbearable point. Um, and we won't get into too much depth, partly for just his sake, but he struggled a lot with some form of neurological challenges that 
came out behaviorally, came out in a way that he would somewhat snap where he wouldn't really be himself anymore. And so we look at our child and his eyes would be different. It wouldn't be him anymore. There'd be an emptiness in his eyes. And so this two-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old, seven-year-old at whatever age it was, progressively became more intense in violence and aggression verbally and physically um, in a way that we knew we couldn't control the situation. It was purely surviving it and helping he and us get through it with nobody getting hurt. Um, so there there were years where it was daily needing to restrain him for his sake and our sake, um, which intensified with him being on call. So obviously, obviously as a marriage, that's where some of this stress started coming in is I was on my own a lot having to deal with very scary situations. And, and then when you consider, we brought three others into the family. <laughs> we had three more children. And so what used to be just simply protecting him and us then became protecting three other kids. And that for me to do on my own was, it was crushing. It just was day in and day out, purely living in survival. Um, and I think as I look back at those years, first, I think it's miraculous we're still standing. Second, I think... I, I see how those years thinking I was actually doing okay in the marriage point, it wasn't until things lessened a, a slight bit um, when he eventually ended up having to change jobs to get off call that the, the stuff under the surface, the things that you just can't deal with when life is in absolute utter chaos, it has to surface. And it did. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was unexpected. It was brutal. Um, but, you know, th th those years, I think it wasn't just our son. It was these layers that came. It was the stress of his job. He was always in immense stress. I mean, doctors count on him to be there. And if he wasn't, he knew he could lose their entire business. So he'd be put in these positions where I'd say, I need you home. I'm terrified for my life right now. And he'd have a doctor saying, I'll drop your business, which is a massive amount of money if you don't come. So it was a lose-lose. It was not like he didn't want to be home. It's not like he was bailing on us. It was just a lose-lose situation. And so that intensified. Um, I ended up having a major ankle injury that has now led to six surgeries. So those were crammed in there. Um, and we just had a lot of other health challenges. Um, I ended up finally being diagnosed with Lyme disease in uh, 2015. So I think the stress, my health, all these things started to pile on. And um, long story short, we eventually tested all four of our kids, ended up testing positive for Lyme as well, having been passed on to them. So it became this, we're a family that's sick. I'm on my own. Our son has these neurological violent episodes day in and day out. It was living in trauma every day. And it, we came to a breaking point where it was clear we are either not going to survive, either literally physically or as a marriage or as a family or something has to change. So I think as, yeah, we kind of share a little bit about our family dynamic and Sarah touched on briefly just from a, a work standpoint. She's fortunately been able to stay home with the kids uh, raising them. And so then uh, me as a sole provider, I was in that medical device sales job for uh, about nine years. And um, right before she got diagnosed with Lyme disease is kind of when we were at that breaking point of, um, you know, so I was on call. We were going, we were driving in two different cars everywhere we went, whether it's to church, whether it was to take the kids somewhere, because at at a moment's notice, I would get called into surgery. And that's, you know, holidays, weekends, middle of the night at two o'clock. So 
it was just that kind of um, crazy schedule that we were in that it got to the point where um, we decided that I needed to leave this job. It was it was tearing apart our family. I wasn't leading my family in the way that I wanted to. You know, it was just more and more surgeries. It seemed like we're piling up on Sundays, and so I'd I'd pop into church, and then all of a sudden, you know, during the first song, you get paged and. Sarah, I'll see you in, in, in five hours this afternoon then. And so that wasn't something that was going to be sustainable. Uh, and for certainly my desire of leading Sarah, leading the kids in that way. So left that job and then transitioned over to a different part of healthcare, um, where part of our story is then uh, about a year and a half later, that company went through a whole downsizing and I got laid off. And so that was kind of season one of unemployment. And then a couple of years later was season two of another um, layoff from a startup company that I was with. And so all those different things wrapped up with kind of the health that was overlying, uh, just the struggles and the tension, chronic illness, and then just our son's um, challenges that we were just searching for doctors all over literally the country we've, we've gone uh, to try and figure out how to help him and how to get him through just the immense pain and struggle that he was um, just trapped in his body and, and in his mind that, you know, it's just uh, it's extremely hard to watch uh, someone that, um, you know, just has that, uh, debilitating, just uncontrollable, you know, the sweetest kid one moment, but then can <clears throat> flip the switch and just, uh, you know, the aggression comes out and just, he hates the way that he has acted in the past. Um, but there is uh, certainly redemption that we've seen in his story and, and we can get into this later, but also when he truly um, gave his life to the Lord, uh, I've five and a half years ago when he was 10 years old um, was just a, a miracle. And just to see the Lord slowly changing him, while it hasn't changed his his struggle neurologically, we can see just the heart change. And that was something we didn't, we didn't know, is that even possible? Um, and Lord, what would that even look like? What do we, what do we try and see? Um, and how do we try and train someone? How do we discipline a child that does have mental health or special needs and some of those um, disabilities that are plaguing them? And so that's just a little bit more of kind of the, the financial struggle that we've gone through, um, the health struggles, and then just the, the unknown. And, you know, as we wrote with the background of, of the story of Job, it's just all those questions that Job wrestled with for 38 chapters or so. Um, before God answers him, and then the final two chapters that we really see that turning. So that's just a little bit, I guess, of the background of the story and kind of our family life. Well, and just to add to that, um, in the last two years, I think the real pinnacle, you know, so part of our struggle was because the things he wrestled with came out in such a violent way. Um we were a little bit, we were put kind of between a rock and a hard place because we if we reached out for help. We actually had the risk of him being taken from us. And so the very people we needed the help from were the ones we were afraid of. Um, and we've talked to so many families who have been stuck in this that 
they, they're in this in-between where it's not this outward physical disability that is obvious to the world. It can present in a way that just looks like a terribly behaved child. But if you see behind the scenes and you can truly see this isn't the kid, this is something that has taken over. Um, I mean, our, our little boy, he would be two hours of screaming these horrific things out of control of his body, so incredibly violent. And then he would exhaust himself and get to the point where he would just drop on the floor weeping, crying out, I don't want to be this way. Why won't God change me? I don't want to hurt people. Why won't, if there's a God, why won't he make me better? And so you'd go through this period of him in a sense being your enemy, being afraid of him, trying to get through it to then suddenly being broken for him. And this this complete 180 of your emotions where you look at your child and feel so helpless to do anything. It was like he was in this torment that you could do nothing for. And yet we were the only ones that that could do anything with for him and continue to endure with him. So the last couple years, um, we did eventually get him on some meds. That was the only thing that ended up giving enough of a reprieve, um, at least outside the home. But when we moved here, things kind of exploded and got worse than they'd ever been. Um, and he was older, and so it was a little bit scarier. So we were forced to, We the Lord really provided. It was a very scary time, but um, we ended up needing to send him away for a time period, um, which was kind of a last resort for years. But we'd actually struggled to find the help to do that anyway. And God just opened up doors. I told you there were reasons we were sent out to Colorado. One of them was that, is there was a Christian facility here that was only open for two years. And during the time we needed it, um, we were in our, we were introduced to them. We were able to send him there in a place that we were close enough to visit. Um, and it was one of the most painful things we've ever gone through. It felt like it was tearing our family into shreds. Um, we weren't able to tell him until he was there. It was just horrible. <laughs> but God really used it in so many ways in his heart. Um, again, it didn't change necessarily his struggles, but God was working on his heart in amazing ways. And so this is such a beautiful picture to us, as horrible and hard as it's been. It has been such a picture of how God sometimes may allow the physical suffering to continue, but he was able to do what seemed impossible and reach his heart, which is truly a miracle. For a year, we had a prayer above his bed because he would say that he followed Satan because he hurt people like Satan did. So Satan had a grip over him and he would scream at me when I was praying, God doesn't hear you. Just It was it was such a spiritual battle in there too. So we'd pray over him every night. We tried to get him to pray this prayer, Lord, give me faith if you are who you say you are. It got torn up, it got thrown away, it got scribbled on, taped back up into pieces. And there was one night after a long, long battle, um, that he broke down again and said, I, I, I want to be better. I don't want to be like this. And every time I just basically give him the gospel because I, I had nothing else. I'm like, I, I can't promise you. I don't know why God's allowing this. I, I don't have answers. I want it just as much as you do. But the only hope I can give you is the hope of Christ that he can give you hope in this. He may not take it away, but he can give you hope for a future too. And that night, for whatever reason, there was something different. And he just started crying, I want that, I want that. And we prayed together. And I thought, I don't know if we'll ever actually, how would we know? If he still acts this way, would we know the spirits in him? And from that night on, he never said anything about following Satan. He loved the Lord. He wrote these beautiful prayers. 
um, he stopped saying some of the most terrifying things, um, like killing us, things like that, that we we were always very afraid of. There was certain things that just stopped. And it was this amazing gift to us to see. He still had these long, horrible episodes, but there was it was like the demonic power that was in it was gone. Um, and so now we have this gift of being able to say to him, you will one day be free from this body and this mind, even if the Lord allows it the rest of your life. Um, and so I think that's kind of where we're at. He's in the best place he's been, um, but we're always taking it a season by season. Um, and now in many ways, it's been somewhat recovery for our marriage and trying to navigate things we never were able to. Um, and that's where this book was born, <laughs> was out of, okay, we, we can't be the only ones that have gone through horrible things in a marriage that you don't know how you're going to survive it. And the storms are pounding you. We're, we're human. We feel broken. We sometimes feel like we don't like each other because we're so hurting each ourselves that we have nothing to give each other. So how do you, how do you live as one when you both feel so broken apart from each other? Um, and so that's part of where this came from is just working through the book of Job of learning ourselves, Lord, how do we navigate this individually while also as a couple? Hey friend, I want to share with you one of my absolute favorite resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. It's the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional. This devotional is a beautiful 42-day journey through life's valleys with biblically-based encouragement to help you or someone you love navigate the difficulties of life. Each week, you'll learn from the journey of a major character in Scripture and be able to reflect on how that impacts your own story and whatever you're facing. From Job to David, Ruth to Jesus himself, you'll see how God has taken the most dire of circumstances and brought healing and redemption from the ashes. This devotional makes a great gift for the person who is walking through a recent loss or trauma or who carries the wounds from pain in their past. It's something that you can keep on hand to give to someone who is experiencing any kind of pain point, and it's a great addition to your daily time with the Lord. For just $25, you can get one for yourself or gift it to a friend. For our Nothing Is Wasted podcast listeners, we want to offer you 20% off your entire order of the devotional, whether it's one or whether it's 20, using the coupon code PODCAST. Again, 20% off your entire order of devotionals using the coupon code PODCAST. Grab a copy today of the Pain to Purpose 42-Day Devotional at nothingiswasted.com slash devo, D-E-V-O, nothingiswasted.com slash devo. Be encouraged by it yourself or encourage someone else in their journey through life's valleys. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash devo. Some people, they, they have an area or, you know, a couple of areas of their life where they're experiencing a storm, you know, if we're going to continue the metaphor that you guys have put out there. Um, but, it, you know, other areas of their life seem to be going fine. And so you can kind of keep at bay in those situations like, okay, well, this is okay over here. So I'm going to really work on and focus on this until I kind of get it up to where it needs to be. And you, you almost feel like you're managing in that sense. Yeah. 
What you guys just described to me, what we just heard, I mean, it was affecting and touching every single aspect of your life. Yeah. And I imagine it was, I mean, I can't imagine how it felt whatsoever. In fact, I want, I want you to tell us a little bit about that, just kind of dive into your emotions here in a second. But, but I can just, I mean, I'm sure there are people who relate to the fact that it feels like one storm after the other, after mm-hmm. the other, after, and you know, like you are just getting hammered. Mm-hmm. You can't come up for breath. Yeah. And that's what I heard when I was kind of hearing all of the different situations that you guys were going through. And although one, you know, this really difficult um, thing that, that was going on with your son and, and it still is, and, you know, the things you're trying to navigate with that, but, you know, layered on top of that and around it and underneath it are all of these other difficulties as well. And so, you know, I'm, I'm curious, as you've been able to catch a little bit of breath from that, I know you're still working on some things. What, how do you look back on that season and go, man, God's in it. And I can't (laughs) breathe right now. I can't even catch a breath, but God's in it. Because if someone's experiencing that right now, that's probably the last thing. They're just like going, God, there's no way you're in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... I think just quickly touching on again the story of Job. So we see in chapter one that it's just blow after blow. You know, one guy, one messenger comes to him and says, you know, fire took out all your cattle and the the wind and the sword and just from family to everything in his life was taken from him in, in a moment's notice. And so that that just crushing storm of just three, four, or five waves just hitting him. And then seeing that reoccurrence of him just grieving through that, through the book of Job, um, that's, I think, why we've related to that, because we have had those pounding, crushing waves hit us. And, you know, if you picture just being at the ocean, and you, as a kid, you love playing in the waves, but then just as you're getting up, you, you kind of have water in your eyes, and then you see another one just smash you in the face. And that's like kind of what we've felt um, and we've wrestled with because um, Satan's done a, a good job at times of trying to make us believe the lie that it's God that's just, yes, God allows it, but that, you know, God is the one that's just in a crushing us in a, yeah, which leads to those questions that Job wrestled with, right? Mm-hmm. Of why and how long and mm-hmm. how could you, Lord? Um so I think as we look back at all of the the struggle uh, that we've gone through and the pain and the emotion, and we've had a fresh season of of that pain and emotion, uh, even just last month again, that was some real, real dark days. Um, the only thing that has kept us afloat is time daily in the Word. Um, we have not always been communicating well, you know, when we've been in that survival mode and we're just kind of pressing on and it's not like we're fighting, but we're just kind of just, we're, we're teammates marching forward, but we're not really looking at each other. We just know we're going to the same goal and we want that same goal. And then there's seasons when we can finally come up and we can start looking at each other and we can communicate again back to seeing the gift of our spouse and not seeing them as our enemy. 
um, which Satan wants to to tear down and destroy our marriages. And so I think the the emotion, um, you know, it's it's again just that that daily time with the Lord, where I feel like. And I, I, again, as we mentioned, just going through this again in a fresh way, it's like my mornings start off okay. It's like God's mercies are new each day. But yet by the time it's the end of the day and at night, I've been despairing. And just that that steady decline of just slowly something's pulling me under the water again. And then I, I sleep and I, I wake up and then I'm, I'm back charged again. And that's only through, you know, the gift of... Uh, the Holy Spirit, the helper in us that can lift our eyes above our circumstances. Because apart from that, man, we are just going to be trapped in the, you know, the cul-de-sac or the the whirlwind of just going in circles and not being able to to exit off that. And one of the things that we touch on in in our book and and that I think we've grown in tremendously over the the past handful of years is just the gift of lamenting. And so, mm-hmm. what a beautiful story it is, and or picture to see Job lament in a biblical way. And we have countless examples, certainly through the Psalms and Lamentations and different books, um, that can show us that you know there is a way to do that that still does fear the name of God, that still does worship the name of God, even though when you read through the book, it really is shocking that he voiced that to the Lord. And God said he did not sin. And so that's the difference. It's not just our biblical complaining, if you will, of, of God, I I don't want to live anymore. I, I don't understand why you are doing this and we're just getting crushed and if this is all I have for my life, then just take me now type of thing. But yet there's always that turning point, as, as you know, that you again lift your head back above the water and it's that the and, the but, the yet, that then turns back to rehearsing and remembering the character of God. And so apart from the word of God, if we're not in that and if we're not grounded in that daily, I don't know how you win that battle, you know, because Satan is just attacking us and those arrows that just continue to come at us. And as Job says, those penetrate his heart and then the poison gets in us. And that's what Satan wants to do to our marriage. He fired, he is firing and has fired so many arrows at our marriage and that poison has come in, but yet God's sovereignty and God's, boy, his grace and his mercy has allowed that poison to be removed and and for our bodies to be strengthened and for our faith to be grown in ways that we would never, never imagine. You know, and and Davey, as you know, and all your other guests that you've had on, it's um it's a beautiful picture of Job at the end, you know, as we see that so many of us living the the Christian life, we hear of um, let me read the, the verse. It's Job 42, 5. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And so as we grow up in the church and as we just live our lives, we have, you know, we hear the word of God, we read it, we, we take that in and consume that. But until we actually go through trials and suffering, 
tested. Then we start to to see, and that's the beauty, and that's the humility of Job that we see from chapter, the early chapters all the way to then in chapter 42, that hearing to seeing. And so I think Sarah and I have have said that's one of the greatest gifts that have come through our suffering, something that we don't wish on anyone, someone, something that we would never have wanted, but yet as we look back, we would not want that to be changed. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's the beauty of, of the gospel. Well, and I, I think just practically speaking, um, you know, this whole concept of emotion, I think we can have a, we can swing one, one way or the other, you know, yeah. all the way to emotions are like, ignore them completely. You can't trust anything with them to completely taking them as though they control you and take you everywhere on every whim. But I think in many ways, God used um, the the profound emotions that were some of the worst feelings we've ever felt in our lives. He used those to bring us to the end of ourselves. And at, at, in yeah. the moment, it feels like it's the worst possible place you can be. Um, I just think about the fact of grief. Grief is it is not a straight line. Like it, it just sends you all over the place. And then when you had two people who grieve completely differently, um, the amount of times I've said, this isn't even bothering you. <laughs> and he would, he would look at me and he'd be like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'd be like bawling, you know, snot crying, an absolute mess. And he's over here looking all stoic and it would make me crazy. And I'd think I'm all alone in this. Like he doesn't even care. This isn't even bothering him. Whereas his his a way of grieving, in a sense, was coping and was diving into work, trying to pour himself into something that could distract himself. Whereas I was kind of stuck in it at all times and didn't have that escape. And so I would just get to the point of utter brokenness. And as much as that was that was really difficult to be in those places, I think God started using those um those periods of grief that looked really ugly on the surface to actually bring us one to the end of ourselves, but also to strip away all the facade we tend to have as Christians like this. Okay. But I'm telling myself, I know God's good. I know God's good. I know I can trust him. I know he's sovereign, but you, if you get to the point where you have to honestly say, admit to yourself right now, I don't really know that God's sovereign. I don't, I don't feel like he's sovereign. I don't feel like he's good. In fact, I feel like he's more my enemy than good it's really hard to verbalize those things. It feels like, what kind of Christian am I that I would say those things? But you can start to feel that wrestling underneath and be so afraid to say it that you're trying to convince yourself you don't feel that way. And I think, I, I, at least for me, I had to get to points where I was so brutally honest in such a way that like Job, it didn't look pretty and it looked pretty faithless. Um, but I couldn't fake it anymore. I was like, God, I don't see you anywhere. I feel like you're leaving me in terrifying situations where I am being basically abused and I I have no way out and I cry out to you and I don't see you anywhere. And I'm pleaded for my son and I've pleaded like, how can a good God let an innocent child suffer in such a horrific way and seemingly ignore our cry to our pleas? How, how can he allow this to happen and this to happen? And what did we do wrong? What, what, are, what are we doing? Did we do this to ourselves? Are we just not believing enough? Are we not praying enough? I mean, you just start going everywhere because you feel so out of control. And I think that is what really taught us to be willing to wrestle with the really hard questions. And even when it looked really ugly and faithless on the surface, that's where God met us in the most profound way. 
It was when all that outside stuff was stripped away and you had nothing to fall back on except for what Jeff was saying, scripture that in some ways felt like it could only enter your head but not your heart because you felt so broken. And yet somehow it's like in that valley of the shadow of death, Christ becomes so much clearer than anywhere else because he becomes your utter lifeline. It's no longer this, I just believe this. It's, I. this has to be true or I die. This has to be true or I have no purpose anymore. And that becomes what you cling to. Um, and so I think then as you think about marriage, learning to grieve together, we just started to have to realize we are gonna maybe grieve differently, but we have to grieve together. We have to remind each other, be open with each other of how we're hurting I can't just view myself as though I've lost a limb and I'm trying to live with it. I need to remember my spouse has too. So he's going to be different too. He's going to be struggling in different ways too. And we have to figure out where's that bridge that we can connect rather than put up those walls against each other um, and not turn against each other as enemies. So the emotion aspect is huge. I feel like we are, we're still living in that. Um, We were in a really dark place, as Jeff said, a month ago or this past month. And it just seems like the Lord brings you back to those places again sometimes and says, I'm still here. I know you don't understand why you're still in this, but I'm still here. And remember all of those ways I've met you when it seemed impossible. The amount of times he's brought water from a rock in our life, I, I couldn't list them all. And, I, and like you said, I don't think we always see it in the moment. It's now when we look back and we see, I have no idea how we survived that. I have no idea how we didn't have an irreparably broken relationship because it seemed like it at the point. I don't know how our children are still functioning. (laughs) I don't know any of these things. I don't know how I'm still functioning for how sick I've been, but somehow he gets us up every day. Somehow he gives us what we need to endure through that day. And somehow we get these glimpses of things he's doing that seems so much bigger than us. And it just starts to humble you and think, not only, yes, I hate this, but I also feel this strange sense of privilege that God's called us to this journey. Man. You know, I think what you guys are articulating, so many people listening to this have experienced but haven't been able to put words to it. Yeah. And so you're, what I love about what you're saying, even though I hate the fact that you guys have gone through just this agonizing, agonizing journey, is that you're able to attest to, hey, this is, there's not, you're not the only one out there who is going through what you're going through, right? I mean, as you're articulating this, there's people right now who are going, oh my gosh, like I feel the same way. And I never was able to say it or verbalize it or I didn't think I had permission to talk about it or I, you know, and, and I love the fact that you even would share vulnerably and have the courage on a podcast to say this past month, we've been in one of the darkest seasons of our life and of our marriage. And I want people to understand that. I'm pause here for a reason, not to like put you on the spot there with that, but to say like, man, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And I host this podcast and I'm facilitating conversations where people are going, hey, here's where God's showing up in my dark night of the soul. And here's the triumph that we're experiencing. And yet the next day I can go right back into Mm -hmm. feeling utter torment because I'm again getting crushed by a storm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the beauties of what God does as he interacts in our story. That's one of the beauties of the fact that God interacts in our story, that he is walking with us in it. 
He's not expecting us to be at some particular destination. And if we haven't made it through the valley, it's not like he's up at the top of the mountain going like, well, you found yourself in this valley again. I'll be up here when you get out of it, you know, figure your way out of it. It's that, that's not, he's like, Hey, I'm with you in this. And this valley might look like for a season, it's taken a turn upward and it's starting to look a little bit beautiful, but oh, and now we're going to go right back into a really treacherous part of it. But that's because it's the way that we have to go through this. Mm-hmm. And it's doing something for each one of our souls. And it's doing something for ultimately the most important part of our existence, right? And our mm-hmm. and truly our relationship with him. You know, I, I would love for you guys to lean in a little bit more on the marriage stuff when it comes to this, because I mean, geez, you guys are, you know, you're speaking straight to my soul right now with this, that um, it would be really easy for people to get, to look at our story, you know, losing my wife and then kind of coming into this place of experiencing redemption with remarriage and how, you know, and we, but like, we're in a, we're in a really tenuous situation too, as a family. And I think that's just part of the the journey and the experience of following after Jesus and trying to help little kids sort through trauma and trying to sort it through yourself and trying to figure out how do we not, you know, lash out from fight or flight mode, but how do we actually uh, express the the fruit of the spirit and what God is doing in our lives. And man, when you're under stress and under distress for so long, like you guys have been, it can really begin to erode at your relationship as a marriage. You've already articulated that. What have been some of the critical pieces? You know, I know one of them you just said, right? Grieving together, learning how to allow each other space in your unique ways to grieve together. But as you guys are beginning to, really work on this aspect of your life now as your head, if you've been able to come up a little bit and go, okay, well, let's really work on you and me. Mm-hmm. What are some of the big critical pieces that you've found ha- are imperative to um, reestablishing that oneness in the midst of everything you guys have gone through? Yeah. You know, I, I share a little in the book, um, And I've said that it's probably one of my favorite chapters um, because I think it's probably one of the most pivotal things, at least for me, that has impacted our marriage. Um, I think especially for for our situation, there were so many days and years that I felt in a sense abandoned. I felt on my own in these really, really scary situations. And even though I would tell myself, I know Jeff would be here if he could, I know he'd be here if he could, I couldn't really help the fact that under that was starting to grow this resentment that I'm having to live this without him. I'm having to endure this every day over and over and he can leave when he wants to. And you know, you start to let those things dwell, that starts to take root. Um, And again, I think because we were in survival for so many years, we weren't really able to even address any of that kind of stuff. Um, We were really good together on the battlefield. And so if he came home, we were good teammates. Like we knew how to jump in together, but it was the stuff that was under the surface that was building that we didn't have the space to, to address. And so I remember when he first left that job and he was suddenly home a little bit more it really threw me. Um, So much stuff started to surface in me that kind of scared me. I was angry. I was, I was bitter. I, I felt like it was the first time I ever realized how it's possible to get to a marriage and all of a sudden feel like you're a stranger from your spouse. And you don't even know if that's able to be changed. And I remember 
feeling so deeply hurt and wanting so badly him to understand how hurt I felt. And I would try to explain it to him and I try to reword it <laughs> in a different way because he wasn't getting it the first way. And um, those conversations just increasingly became filled with bitterness and tears and hurt towards each other and totally missing the mark. We were not healing. We were just building more walls. And the Lord finally, there, there came this point where I felt like there's no way forward. We're hopeless. This is, is this where we're heading? Are we going to be one of those couples that actually gets divorced? And I could never have fathomed that for me, but I don't know how we can endure like this forever. And the Lord started to impress on me this fact that I was looking to Jeff for my healing. And I was looking to Jeff to meet me in a place that only Christ could. And I was beating a dead horse, trying to expect it to come alive, and it was never going to happen. And so I started to feel this conviction that I was looking for Jeff to fill places he could never fill. And the Lord was saying, you need to come to me first. And I stopped having these conversations with him for a time. I started just journaling and pouring out the hurt I felt, the things that I was struggling to even verbalize to the Lord, and starting to pray Lord, help Jeff see what you think he needs to see for our relationship to heal. But help me see my own heart right now. Help me see where I'm not willing to see. Help me work on the things that you know I need to work on. Um, and there was just miracles that started to happen. I, I started to feel like, because I could be honest with the Lord and actually start to believe he was there with me. He actually knows. He was the only one in that room with me in that memory that no one can share with me. He remembers. And he was there and he 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 got me through that. Um, and yet I desired a relationship with my husband too. And so I could honestly pray, Lord, I want this to be restored, but I don't have the tools to do it. I don't have any idea how to take a step forward in that. So please work on both of us in the way you need to, to restore this. And little did I know Jeff at that time was praying somewhat similarly. And we both just started to work on our own hearts and ask the Lord to heal us individually. And suddenly conversations started to kind of come out of the woodwork where we had fruitful conversations. And he started to ask me questions about things I felt that he didn't understand. And I started to explain with more patience and more grace and less expectation. And we started to gradually, very slowly, build these little healing points of seeing again, we are on the same side. We are not against each other. We are fighting a storm that has been beating us over and over again. And now we're turning and beating on each other. <laughs> that's not doing anyone good. Um, and so I think that's been a huge point for me. And this, again, as we said, it happened last month. Um, I think it's a gift for Christians to know this This Christian life is cyclical. We go around and around and around, and we always feel like we're right back where we started. But I had this helpful picture given to me that really the Christian life, it's like this spiral, but it's spiraling upward. And so we often feel like we're back down on the bottom of the rung, but we're really higher than we were before because the Lord is just doing a deeper work in that same area that feels very repetitive. And so we found ourselves there last month of feeling like we were absolute aliens from each other. And he had a lot of really difficult things going on. I had a lot of very difficult things going on. And we both were so depleted, we had nothing to give. Absolutely nothing to give. And we actually had to come to the point of just acknowledging that. Right now, we are in a season where we are both trying to not suffocate. 
We love each other. We need to just remember that right now. (laughs) We are on the same side and we will surface again. And just even acknowledging that, it's like it softened us to each other. Like, that's right. We're both hurting. I'm not the only one hurting. He's hurting. How can we just help walk next to each other in, in this, even if we can't lean on each other? And that's when you start learning the Lord is the one we have to lean on. And as we do that the way it's meant to be, we actually are able to then be there for each other in in the way that we can, in a way that's realistic, um, rather than expecting what the other can't give us. Have you guys, um, have you had other people kind of helping to facilitate some of these conversations? Counselor, therapists, or you guys, what, is, what does that look like for, for you guys as well? Yeah, so the first time... Um, after I'd left the job uh, in medical device sales and we started to, a lot of this started to surface, as Sarah mentioned, we did need counseling. Um, and that was individually and together, uh, mm-hmm. professional counseling, um, biblical counseling. So there is, um, yeah, we are uh, huge advocates for that and and certainly um, time and a place for that. You know, I think it's interesting because if I, Grew, you know, when I grew up, I don't know if um, I almost had a, a little bit of a, a thought that, oh, if you if you go to counseling, there's you know something seriously wrong with your marriage, and it's kind of viewed negatively. But yet, we should view that the other way. Okay, if we're going to counseling, boy, just the the hope that we can have that that is there's still fight in us and we want to be changed. We want the Lord to speak through, um, you know, that, that third party that we're sitting across from mm-hmm. and to be able to have, um, again, just our eyes lifted up off of each other and maybe the things that expectations are so misaligned or uh, just con- discontented, you know, spirit and, and whatever is just dragging us down. Um, so, the counseling had certainly helped bring us to a level that we had not experienced in our marriage. And that was a little bit of the the reprieve and, and starting to, to build this relationship again um, prior to writing some of these, then not that long after. So it was coming from a, a, a long, uh, dark season as we've kind of laid out and then being being able to um, you know, repair and res- and God restoring some of our relationship and just our our way that we view Him, our, the character, being able to see the character of God in a fresh way, and and you know, there's a, a time and a place where counselors are are put in our life to be able to to draw that out and point us to Scripture of walking us through that. And so I think that's been super helpful uh, and and ones that we would definitely um, try and share that counsel with other married couples that we talk to as well. Yeah, and I think a big piece of that too is I think I've really learned we are so body, mind, and soul. Mm -hmm. And I think it took me a long time to realize how much my physical and mental impacted my spiritual and vice versa. And we can try to segment those and we hurt ourselves when we do. And I think we start, as I started to realize through really counseling, because I think often we become, when you're in those seasons where you're so beaten down and it's coming from every angle, and just like you were saying, 
trying to deal with, it's not just your marriage. It's not just yourself. You're trying to, if you're trying to deal with children who are dealing with trauma, you're trying to deal with your own trauma or your own mess that's going on. It can feel crushing. It can feel so crushing that you don't know which way's up and which way's down anymore. And so you just get into this, this life where you're going through the motions just to get through the next day. And if you don't ever take the time to stop and have those questions asked to draw out what's actually happening under the surface right now, why am I actually feeling this way? Why am I suddenly dealing with anxiety? Why am I having these panic attacks all of a sudden? Why am I struggling to connect with my children? All these things that there's reasons underneath all of them. And yet if we don't take the time to do the hard work, which it is hard and brutal work. <laughs> I mean, I, the days I've come home from counseling that I've just needed like a day in bed because I'm like, that was utterly exhausting. It wrecked me. I don't ever want to do that again. <laughs> but when you start seeing the fruit that comes from it by just having someone who's outside enough to see with a different perspective, to be able to ask the questions that make you start to think things you wouldn't think otherwise, it starts to create that room and that space for you to start to just see things from different angles when before you've been so muddled in the gook that you couldn't see anything anymore. And so... I think it just can help you. It's kind of like, um, you know, you, we don't look to counselors as they're the answer for it. Um, they're a tool of God and Lord willing, they're giving us the right tools. Um, but they're there, I think, by God's grace, because we're meant to be in community with each other. We're not meant to do this life isolated and on our own. We're not meant to be independent from each other. And God uses the body of Christ to help us walk through these places um, in a way that those that maybe have done it before or those who are in a season that can just see more clearly, that can help give us those nudges in that direction. Um, it's It's been a gift and it's made me realize it actually takes courage, it is not weakness, to reach out for that help. Absolutely. Hey, Nothing Is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place to speak to what you're experiencing right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, you just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that could help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire Curated Pathway you're looking for, by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted Curated Pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. 
As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash community plus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story, and we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. You know, Christy and I see uh, marriage coaches. She's a counselor, too. She's a therapist. And so it's funny. We sat down for the first time with them, and she was like, so what exactly do you want us to be in your life? I said, I want you to be a coach and a counselor when you need to. And it was so helpful to be able to say, sometimes you're coaching us, and sometimes you're really counseling us. And and some of this is repairing work, and some of this is preventative work. But we just need you in our life, and we need this to be regular. And, you know, um, I think it's really important to break down that stigma, Jeff, that you were saying counseling can sometimes hold. Fortunately, Mm -hmm. I see that finally over the past, I don't know, five, 10 years, the church especially is waking up to this. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe counseling is not for bad people. It's for all people. Yeah. Because of exactly what you just articulated, Sarah, that this is the body of Christ. This is another function of the body of Christ that we are way too emotionally involved in the minutia of our own stories and of our own life situations that we have to have somebody who is not as emotionally involved, who can give us a more objective perspective on things and who can draw out of us what's going on and then help us to deposit God's word into those situations. Yeah. You need other people to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's for everybody. I mean, even the best of counselors, the first episode of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, my late wife's father, so my father-in-law, he's a certified biblical counselor. One of the best counselors I've ever uh, witnessed in my life. I mean, he's just incredible at handling God's word and helping people through their situations. But he even said, I could not do that same kind of work on myself. Hmm. Interesting. I needed someone else outside of my situation to be able to walk me through these things because we all just are so, we're so overtaken by the storms of our life at times. And so I think it's very, very important. And um, I'm, I'm glad that that was part of part of your journey as well, because I think that yep. needs to be spoken into so much of our community mm-hmm. as they're walking through this stuff. Yeah. How, how is this, and maybe you can't, sh- you know, share to the degree that you feel comfortable and that you're able to, but, you know, it's not just your marriage that you're having to really look into and speak into, but you're thinking about shepherding little hearts all around you. Mm-hmm. It's an entire family that you guys are having to be cognizant of. Um, the challenges with that, the unique factors involved there, is there anything that you guys feel comfortable sharing in that? Yeah, um, that's uh, it, <clears throat> it's kind of a loaded question, you know, and then just trying to take on just the, the weight of being a parent in general is yeah. 
can be can be crushing and feel just overbearing. And then when you have, um, you know, just our our dynamics and and many others uh, that have trials or trauma and suffering uh, that has impacted family and then the kids specifically, those sibling relationships that have just been um, broken down and beaten and just, again, the raw emotion in our kids of anger and frustration and wrestling with those same questions adults do of why, why does so-and-so, why is this happening? Or, you know, time and time again, but we don't see change. And really hard uh, questions that I think we've seen the gift of having our kids walk through with us these seasons and just the, the waves that have been crushing that, Lord willing, they're building in them a theology at such a young age of suffering that many adults struggle to have, even within the church. I think that's, that's a huge part that is truly, um, there's a gap in that, you know, within the, the church as a whole today of having a, a good theology of suffering. And so to be able to have those opportunities around the dinner table or just random times, uh, maybe Sarah's driving the kids back from school, conversations that have gone super deep in zero to 60 seconds and just the wrestling of trying to answer that. You know, we don't we don't have all the answers, but again, it's pointing them back to scripture and trying to point them that, boy, God is sovereign and he is faithful. And I, I pray that that's the one thing that they can see uh, through Sarah and I is that while there's just these long, unending seasons that they just see mom and dad moving forward, marching on, and just clinging, uh, clinging to, to Christ. And that hopefully is the legacy that, that we're leaving them. You know, it's, um, it's, it's hard to see them, um, just the pain that they've gone through. And we've gone through seasons of trying to get them counseling. Uh, and we probably need another season of that right now for them to, to work through things that are just coming back up. So it's, it's that, there's, there's no difference between, you know, our, our marriage and the kids and just there's a lot of commonality on what's the struggle. And I think um, just like we've said earlier, it is something that um, while we don't wish on anyone, you can see uh, the, the joy that comes through that, not the happiness, the, the true deep work of Christ and praying that the joy of our salvation is being restored and being renewed each and every day and praying for those seeds that are in our kids are constantly growing and being watered by by truth. And uh, may we be good shepherds of that. Yeah, and I think as parents, the temptation can be, we're afraid for our kids to see our own brokenness because we're afraid it's yeah. gonna break them. And... I think there were, part of that for me was many years where I had to hold it together. I just had to. <laughs> to protect them. Um, to protect them. But over the years, as they started to express questions, um, my one daughter said to me once on the couch, she said, Mommy, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but why did you have us if you were going to make us sick? 
And, you know, so questions like that or sobbing after an episode with one of our sons and our daughter had been hurt and her crying, I don't want to live here. I don't want to live here. Um, why do you not do something to make us safe? Like things like that where we're like, we are all the time. But from their little minds, they're in this with us. They're dealing with these horrible things with us. And so it's you start to realize that, that kids are incredibly intuitive. They you can try to put up this stoic front, but they sense so many so much of what's going on. And it wasn't actually doing our kids any service to try to be stoic and keep a distance from that. Um, instead, what ended up being the best thing was to start having these open, really raw, difficult conversations and just being honest. I, I'm wrestling with this too. God says in this word here that, that he's good. And I see all these this testimony of how he's been good in the past. And honestly, right now I'm struggling to see it in my own life. And I remember one season we were in that after he had lost his job, things were, I was all Five of us had been diagnosed with Lyme. We couldn't afford treatments. We were on food stamps after having lived very comfortably the year before. It felt like our world was just falling apart everywhere. And it was happened to be at Christmas time on top of it. And so we were trying to prepare the kids like, guys, I'm sorry. I know this is hard, but we, we're not going to be able to do much for Christmas. And, and so the first thing I remember doing was I felt like I needed so badly to see God's hand in places I needed to visually write it down. And so I made this little faithfulness tree, really not Pinterest worthy, taped it up on the wall. And then I wrote, made these little leaves. And anytime any of us saw some way we saw God faithful, we'd write it down and stick it up on the wall. And it was amazing to see how the kids picked up on things. I mean, little things just that you would normally miss. Um, a day that we had that everyone played together really well and there was no big blowups or um, somebody dropped off a hundred dollars that we don't know who it's from, but it was just what we needed for the groceries. Like just things like that, that you start to become really in tune to. And the kids had that opportunity to start looking for those things. And then one morning um, we get a ring at the doorbell and we open it, no one's there. And there's this huge box of Christmas gifts, like at least five per kid. And they were so personal to each kid and something for Jeff and I. It was by far our favorite Christmas. It, it was the worst time in our lives. And yet we all remember it as the sweetest Christmas because we had the eyes to see God see us so tangibly. And if kids go through life with normal childhood stuff as we desire for our kids to just be healthy, to have friends, to have fun activities, those are good things, but I think the Lord started to change our view to help us see He's giving them gifts far deeper and far more eternal at such a young, tender age that Lord willing will transform them for the rest of their lives. And so we hate the outward appearance of it. We hate it for them. We hate seeing their pain. And we do not have all the answers. The amount of times I feel so helpless to know what to say to our kids in a moment where I just, I feel the same way. And so I don't have an answer. I'm just like, I don't get it either right now. And I just hate it for you. Um, it shows this, we are all dependent on the Lord. Even mom and dad, we are just as dependent on the Lord. We don't have all the answers. And what does that do? It teaches them mom and dad aren't the answer. We are here for them to love them, to guide them the best we can, but we're gonna, we're gonna sin, we're gonna screw up. 
we are not going to have answers sometimes. And Lord willing, that starts to drive them to Him more consistently, even at, even at a really young age. Um, and then you could start to see things like characteristics come out. We've had people say, like, your, your kids are always the first to go play with the kid that's being left out. Your kids are the ones that go to the kid that has special needs and start, they befriend them. And they, things like that, that you start to see God's doing something there. That's God sweet. is doing something. Um, and really briefly, I even had one moment where it was a week for moms out there. I was feeling like the worst mom in the world. I was like, I saw the kids bickering. They were just fighting over everything. They were being whiny. I was really sick. There was something that happened at school with one of our kids that I was so embarrassed about. And I was at home and I, my boys were here and I, I was on the verge of bursting into tears. And they asked, mom, are you okay? And, you know, I was like, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk to them about this right now because part of it is one of them was the problem. <laughs> so I couldn't exactly say that. So I was looking in the fridge, kind of trying to hide it. And I just lost it. And the boys both came up to me and they said, mom, you do so much for everybody else and barely ever get anything for yourself. We're going to take care of you right now. And they forced me into the family room. They went and got my daughter's little Orbeads foot spa, got my son's uh, like um, massage beanbag chair, forced me over there, rubbed my shoulders. My oldest son, the one who we've had all these struggles, ordered me a coffee off his phone. They sat there for an hour talking to me about how wonderful of a mom I was, about how much they love me. It was like, the the worst moment I felt in a, for a while as a mom, and God used that to use my own kids who I was distressing about to say, I am at work, Sarah. It is not all up to you. I am doing things, and I'm going to show you grace through the, your kids, the ones that you are you're thinking you're failing right now. And it's just such a sweet reminder to me that God has His hand on our kids' lives. Yeah. They are not ours. They are ours to be, they're entrusted to us, but He owns their heart. We do not. And He is the only one that can reach in those deep places. And that's really freeing, I think, once we see that. And that's what Job teaches us, you know, like how to suffer or how do we deal with great suffering? And then we see the question kind of being asked of, uh, do, we, do we love and value God above our comfort and ease? And <laughs> so much of my flesh, you know, and our expectations are, no, I want comfort too. You know, it's the God plus a good job, a healthy family, all those things um, that aren't bad. But when we have that out of alignment, that's where those expectations lead to, to so much of the, the pain. And there's a forget who the pastor is that talks about, it's not just the level of, it's not just the suffering itself, but it's also the circumstances and our expectations around that, that heap upon that suffering, that compound that. And so we pray again, just that our, our kids, and um, as we see and are trying to teach them just the comforts of life, and just especially now with how much everything we gravitate towards is to consume and to want and to uh, to look to our neighbors or you know their classmates and asking the normal kid questions of why why this and why that that we can point back to these times in life of hey do you remember that Christmas when you know comforts were stripped away everything ease was we didn't even know what that was but yet God. But God, right? But God showed up in a miraculous way that 
Lord willing, they'll remember that and tell that to their kids of just his faithfulness and his goodness and his, his kindness. So I think it, again, Job tells us that, and God then also shows us how limited our view is of him. And let's, let's just blow, blow that up in chapter, you know, the end of chapter 38 or 40 in, in between there and just pushing back and the Lord finally speaking back to Job after all of his uh, lamenting. And where were you when? And he just goes through this Laid list. Laid the foundation of the earth. All the different animals, you know, when this was birthed. And it's like how little of a view in suffering do we often have of God? And so I think that's also what he's teaching us in those moments is not only to depend on him, but then just to lift our eyes up and to just see, boy, his his magnitude and his power and to be able to, to see when we are grumbling and complaining that his mercies are, are so much greater. And often I have those scales way out of whack and it needs to be the other way and, and meditate more on Christ and by his grace, slowly by, slowly by slowly, day by day, yeah, being grounded in his word is the only thing that can get us there. Wow. Wow. Such a great reminder uh, for me and for everybody who's listening to this that our kids need to, we don't need to, we don't need to put on a pretense that we've got it all together even in front of our kids. Mm-hmm. That, man, I just, that was so convicting to hear you guys say that um, because I think a lot of times we're like, I want to protect them from this kind of pain, this kind of journey. And, and the Lord's like, well, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not how we grow. That's not how we, how character is formed by, by sheltering them completely or, or hedging and hemming their life to where they don't experience this. And to be able to know that we can walk with our kids in it and they can see us struggle and they can see us, um, they can see us wrestle with the Lord. It teaches them how to have a true, right, personal relationship with the Lord as well. And that they don't look to us as their saviors. Yeah. You know, we're going to disappoint them. I already have this morning. I disappointed my kids. <laughs> I was rushing them out the door. Come on. Why are we always late? I'm getting all frustrated with them. You know, I'm in the car and I'm like, I in the car. I just had to go, Guys, I'm sorry for getting frustrated. That was not right of me. You know, and just to like something as tiny as that, all the way to the extreme of what you guys are experiencing and having to walk your kids through this stuff. I mean, it's such a good reminder to us that like he is our help. He is our hope. He is our fortress. He is our strength. He is our ever-present help in time of trouble. And that's what our kids need to hear and know from us. And they're going to know that experientially. They're not going to just know it by us sitting them down at, in this perfect family with this perfect scenario and this doing these devos at night. Although those are important, right? Yeah. But they're yeah. gonna they're gonna know it by how like it's gonna be caught mm-hmm. by how we're walking through these really difficult situations together. And so yeah. thank you. That's such a great reminder, both for our marriage and our parenting and everything that all how all that overlaps and. Um, I wish we could talk about this all day because I'm like right in vain with you guys in this. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't. And so that's why I want everybody to pick up your book so they can get a whole lot more of what you guys have been learning in this whole situation. We're going to put a link for you guys to grab it. It's very easy. Together Through the Storms, the subtitle is Biblical Encouragements for Your Marriage When Life Hurts. And um, there's other places that we can connect with you guys though. Where can we... Where else can we connect with you? I know, Sarah, you've got a, another, at least one more book. You have a couple of books. What 
Yeah, I have my first one is co-authored. Um, it's called Hope When It Hurts, and mm. that's really geared towards anyone. Um, it's it's a little floral design, so maybe women, but the inside can be read by anybody. Um, and it's really just walking with the Lord and suffering. It mm. covers the whole gamut. Um, and then I have one that's a little that's tears and tossings, and that's a little evangelistic mm. resource. That's kind of the same thing, but it's just written in a tone and in a way that. Lord willing, can be received by those in different places spiritually. Mm. Um, and then we have our Together Through the Storms. Um, and then I have a motherhood book and a kid's book coming out this next year. So wow. looking forward awesome. to that. Too. Yeah. That's awesome. That'll be a great resource too, that kid's book. I know that's something mm-hmm. that we have a lot of folks ask about. Like, do we have, is there anything for kids that? Yeah. So guys, thanks so much for spending time. I mean, man, I just feel so heavy as you guys are sharing this you know, with us through the journey that you guys have been on. And yet also so hopeful, like there, as you guys are expressing, here's how God was showing up. Those are ways that God, that only God can show up in those situations, Mm -hmm. right? Only he can, you know, do those things to remind you kind of, I mean, that was way more than just a God wink. That was a big old massive hug and sloppy kiss. (laughs) right? right? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, man, I'm here in this. And um, we just need to be reminded of that. Yeah. And we need to hear it from other people as well. That encourages us. So thank you for spending time with us. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us on. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that's the one thing that we had prayed is that, again, it, it's not about our story, but may, may the listeners be able to be encouraged and just seek Christ uh, in the midst of great suffering. I mean, their faith yeah. is beautiful. Like you said, that was so encouraging. Yeah. Sometimes I, you know, you know, and I'm sure you've had this experience before, Aubrey, when you're having, you're, you're talking with somebody and you're hearing what they're going through and you just have this overwhelming, like, I don't know how you're, <laughs> I don't know how you're surviving. Right. Like, this. how like, are you even like standing? You kind of pro- right. Yeah. You kind of project yourself uh-huh, into their situation. You're uh-huh. going, I would never be able to. And then I remember people saying that exact same thing to mm. me and people have said that exact same thing. Mm. So it just reminds me that God really stewards grace That's so true. to you yeah, in the situations in the that you're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in our weakness, he is made strong mm. and we don't get to determine what kind of story we're handed, yeah. but we can open up our hearts and let the Lord fill us with the strength that only he can provide yeah. in that space. Yeah. So I think that's encouraging. Like, you know, I don't want anybody to, to walk through life anxious about, uh-oh, what, you know. What tragedy am I going to hit? What or tragedy? Is the yeah, bottom's going to fall out. When's the next shoe going to yeah, drop? Or yeah. like, how is it, you know. Yeah, you can't live like that. We don't, we don't need to live in that kind of fear. Mm-hmm. We can be assured to know that whatever passes through God's hand in our life, he's also going to give us the grace that we need for that day. Yeah. And that's different than God will never give you more than what you can handle. That's a very different flaw. It's a, no, you'll feel overwhelmed. Yes. It'll be more than what you yes. can handle, but his grace will be sufficient amen. for you. Yeah, amen. That's exactly right. So, that's exactly right. This story was particularly uh, meaningful for me because part of my story, and I've told this before and nothing is wasted, but I feel like it's been a while. Uh, in 2015, 15, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, different than Lyme disease. It's called rheumatoid yeah. arthritis. But it, man, it it brutally impacted our marriage. Mm. Like t- at one point, Kevin and I were in marriage counseling and we had to have a therapist say to us, 
you have got to stop being mad at each other and start being mad at this disease. Like that's your enemy. Mm. Your enemy is not each other. Your enemy is this disease. And that was like, we were so in the thick of it that we couldn't even, we didn't even have enough perspective to see accurately that we were like fighting against the wrong thing. You know, we weren't partnering together. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But that can so happen. Like there's something about, part of it is, Part of it is the the nature of chronic pain is such that there's no you talked about this before, Davy. Just not know if there's an end in sight. Like yeah. I've had many years of of what I don't know if you'd call it remission, but of just like living pretty free of without evidence of disease. Mm. I'm under a great care of a doctor and try to eat really mindfully and have good medication. Um, mm. But just, uh, I mean, it won't be last week when this episode airs, but a few weeks ago, my disease like flared up out of nowhere. And I was like back literally laying on the couch for a week straight, unable to do anything. And it it brought back quite a bit of, um, it tempted to bring back quite a bit of trauma from those early Mm. days. But I had to remind myself like, okay, God, you have carried me through this. You will carry me through this again. You are not wow. far. You are here. And I was literally almost speaking a mantra over myself, yeah, but I was right. trying to call forth my faith, essentially. Like, mm. you know how David does that? Like, awaken right. soul. Like, I felt like yeah. I was doing yeah. that. Like, okay, remember soul. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Wow. Thankfully, wow. that was a short-lived flare-up. But the the difficulty, and I think in any marriage, in any pain, so we can take yeah. this even away from chronic pain, is... Pain can be so isolating. It can be so lonely making. It can make you think Mm -hmm. the other person is the enemy because you think like, they don't care. Mm -hmm. They don't understand what's going on with me. They don't care. And and evil, the actual enemy will get in there and use your pain story as a way to divide a married couple or divide families or divide friendships. And so I think you have to be extra vigilant in those times to do what our therapist told us to remember like, who's the actual enemy here, right? so good. It's not right. each other. It's it's wow. it's the powers and principalities. It's the brokenness of, of the world at work in our bodies for you know yes. chronic autoimmune or or in our tragedy or you know whatever category Man. you want to talk in. I could talk about wow. this forever, but I really appreciate Jeff and Sarah sharing their story because it's so well, real. I appreciate, yeah, and I appreciate your perspective, Aubrey. I mean, I think that's a truth that any marriage mm-hmm. can walk away with. The principle of remembering that we are not each other's enemy, that we are fighting a common enemy. And I think it's really important for us to keep that in focus, that the enemy wants to, in John 10, 10, it says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one of the main ways that he does that is to divide, especially married couples, because he does not want marriage to shine the glory of God throughout the world. I mean, this is the reason God gave us the gift of marriage is so that the world would see an unconditional covenantal love that God has for his people. And we are the demonstration of that. We are like the embodiment of that in our marriages. And so even though we're flawed and we're, you know, we're, we're imperfect human beings and we're struggling through this, it, it is one, a source of our sanctification, of our learning how to die to ourself yeah. and be sacrificial to, to uh, someone else, yep. to our partner. And, but also it shows the world this is what yes, love really looks like. Right. A sacrificial love really looks like. And so the enemy wants to destroy that. Mm-hmm. And then you you add on top of that, we say this all the time, 
that one of the primary ways that the enemy is going to try to paralyze you and neutralize you for your effectiveness in the kingdom is going to be through pain. Yeah. Now add, stack those on top of each other. And you have to be very vigilant and aware. Yes. Right? You have to be like on a heightened sense of awareness yes. to know, okay, if we're walking through pain and we're walking through pain as a married couple, the enemy's going to try to weasel his way in here. Absolutely. And, and drive a wedge mm -hmm. to divide us. And at the same time, that pain can do something together where, that brings you together in such a beautiful way. Mm. And there can be this, this beauty and this redemption and this, this, um, this sameness, this like knowing each other, yeah. you know, this like intimacy, right? As you, as we, I always talk about intimacy is into me, you see. Right, right. Where we, we are fully known and we know fully mm -hmm. And pain can bring that to the forefront as well if we partner with God in it. Yeah, it's so true. It can be this dividing line. I mean, it's wild, like a watershed. Like pain goes, mm -hmm. it, pain in marriage goes, we're done or we're closer than we ever have been because we That's realize right. together we're a partner against this thing and we're caring for one another and we're walking through right. great difficulty and we're we're standing, uh, I mean, it's a test and we're being true to our vows, we're being true to God and we're learning yep. to love each other well in a new season. I mean, I will say for a while, like Kevin and I, let let the disease win and we let the enemy get in there. And then once we realized it, we were like, wait a second. And wow. and it really, it caused us to go back to some very foundational, just basic ways of loving one another. But it was such yeah. a gift for our marriage. And I, right. it went from like us having an empty emotional bank account to a very full one. And so there is that mm -hmm. choice in seasons of pain. And, and of course yeah. the Lord can do that if you let him. This is so important. And such a, a topic that's so near and dear to our hearts, Aubrey, I know this is this idea of marriage and how do you mm. walk through pain together in marriage and how do you find your purpose together as a married couple? Yeah. Um, we're actually, one of the things I'm really excited about is that we're actually releasing a course here soon uh, for marriages. Oh, nice. I don't think I even and, knew that. Uh, it's going to be on our platform. It's actually in partnership with some of our coaches. We've got some coaches that have been on our podcast before. Dave and Mary Gothi. Oh, they're awesome. And they're amazing. And and um, in partnership with them and the ministry that they lead, we're going to be releasing a course on our platform. Um, I can't give you the exact date right now. We're still trying to f uh, figure that out, but that will be released behind Community Plus. So awesome. if you are a part of Community Plus, you'll already automatically have access to that. And if you're not a part of Community Plus, I want to I want to encourage you to join in on Community Plus. What's so great about Community Plus and Aubrey, you know, I know you know this, but for those who are listening and watching this, because we're a nonprofit, a 501c3, Community Plus is actually a tax-deductible donation yes. or sponsorship. Which people, I don't think, so know that. So keep saying no. that. Yeah. So so you, you are essentially donating $20 a month or $200 a year. Yeah. And you're also then get, being given access to all of this extra stuff that we do. Yeah. And it's a it's part of it is a way for you to partner with us mm -hmm. as we're also trying to help more and more people and trying to build more and more content that's going to be encouraging to people as we're trying to commission more coaches as we're trying to get into more churches like you're coming alongside of nothing is wasted ministries and so I want to encourage you whether it's because you want to access this course down the road or any of our other really inspiring content or whether it's just because this this ministry has ministered to you. Yeah and you want to pay it forward, maybe you'd never access any of the rest of this stuff. I want to encourage you to join Community Plus 
because at the end of the year, you'll receive a statement and you can write that off in your taxes. And certainly you can give to nothing as wasted more than that. But this is just an easy way for you to also be able to benefit from this as we're releasing more content. Yeah, for you to give and ultimately end up receiving all the incredible resources we have for you. Like Davey said, go to nothingiswasted.com and nothingiswasted.com slash community. Find out a lot more about all of the offerings we have for you, but especially that course is going to be incredible. Yeah. We want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Download and stream his music wherever you do that. Be sure to follow and engage with us on social media. We're on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, at Davy Blackburn, at Obsamp. We want to invite you to review, like, and subscribe to our podcast and to YouTube. By doing so, you'll help so many other people find these incredible stories of pain to purpose. Davey, next week, I got to do the interview. We're joined by a pastor from Canada named Tim Challies. And man, this conversation blew me away. Really? In in a number of ways. I cannot wait for our listeners to hear his perspective on pain and loss. So let's go ahead and take a listen to part of my conversation with Pastor Tim Challies. Yeah, you see God's providence preparing you for events, Mm -hmm. I think. And so it's probably not mere coincidence that our pastor had just finished preaching verse by verse through the book of Job right before we came Mm -hmm. to our loss, where you think, okay, that through through God's sovereignty, through his providence, we had been focusing on God's sovereignty in all things, including in matters of death and um if you're going to live out the lesson of Job, it's at the end. You have no right to demand answers yeah. from God. You just say, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed Bless be the name of the Lord. Lord. And and God never gives Job the answers Job yep. wanted. He just points to himself and says, you're just going to have yep. to trust me. Look how big and great and glorious I am. And that's the end of the story. And then Job submits to the Lord and, uh, and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so that had happened. And just even in conversations with my wife, I'd expressed a few times, you know, the, the Bible calls us to, to sorrows in this life. And I would say to her, you and I haven't experienced sorrows. So I think we need nothing substantial anyway. Right. So I think we need to be preparing ourselves for what the Bible says will come upon us. And how do you prepare for sorrows, but to to understand and delight in the character of God, to just yeah. say, this is who God is. And the more we come to know God, the more we come to love Him and trust mm. Him. And so just making this long study of who God is, how does He act in this mm. world? I think that's the key to, to overcoming our losses with our faith intact, to just really, really believe that God is sovereign so and good. good. Did you, your wife is Eileen, is that right, Tim? Aileen, 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 yeah. that's pretty. Yep. Did you and Aileen have different responses? Was your, you know, did you grieve? Uh, ev- they say everyone grieves differently. Did you come together and say, we're going to kind of do this in the same way? Or did you both have different uh, responses? No, we, I mean, in the big picture, we were united in terms of, of both of us um, just bowing the knee yeah. to the Lord uh, the best we could um, and just really again, submitting to God's providence, submitting to his right to rule. But that said, we're very different people, very different personality types. Um, I'm a man, she's a woman. I'm a dad, she's a mom, et cetera. And so um, just as we talk about love languages, I think we came to realize there are really grief languages as well. And some of those will be based on personality and some of those will be based on position, if Mm -hmm. you will. And so um, I related to Nick as a father, which is very different from relating as a mother. Right. And then just 
uh, Aileen and Nick had a very close-knit bond um, between them. And then, you know, I wasn't the one who carried Nick in my body or or nursed Nick at my breast as she did. And so there's just such a, a different bond between them. And so our grief was was very different and yet we were we were united in terms of saying we aren't going to rebel against God in this. We're not going to turn on him or turn away from him. <laughs> 